L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is the premier independent community development platform working with local creators to produce podcasts and content by the community for the community. To learn more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. There are so many great words in the English language. Vision. Inspiration. Temptation. Which word describes me? Which word describes you? I'm Alex Schulte, and I host the podcast called One Word Stories. I want to take local Cedaripidians and other Eastern Iowans and find out what word describes them right now and go back in their lives and find out how we got here. This show comes out every single Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even Google Podcasts. Oh, and if you want more, there's an exclusive post show after every single episode on LAS+. That's like one word stories plus 15 minutes. If you want to subscribe to LAS+, go to laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus. You'll get access to ad-free episodes of One Word Stories and every other LAS show, bonus content like One Word Stories post-show, and a whole bunch more. One Word Stories. What's your word? L-A-S. I'm Caleb. And we're back with Othered. Othered. The podcast about other, being different, our different perspectives, what it's like. (laughs) Nothing to 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 add to that. But that's perfect. Well, thanks, Caleb. Thank you guys all for joining us today. And just remember that Othered is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in beautiful Cedar Rapids, Iowa. If you want ad-free listening and bonus episodes of this show, subscribe to LAS Plus. For only $10 a month, you can get access to all of our amazing content, access to tickets for LAS Live before they go on sale, and know that you're supporting local. What's better, Caleb? What's better? Um, Nothing, actually. I, I can't agree. think of a single thing. I'll tell you what's better. <laughs> Please tell me. Finding parking by TCR in the rain. But neither of us accomplished that today. We didn't. We did not. We ran like three blocks. <laughs> and now my feet are soaking wet. Why are your feet soaking <laughs> wet? Because I have holes in the bottom of my shoe. Oh, no. And that's just, you know what? It just feels like that is on par with everything that has been going on with my life. Oh no. <laughs> That's a really bad analogy for life. <laughs> and you know what? maybe I'm just being dramatic right now, but that it's just I'm getting to where I need to go, but the process of getting there is like walking around with soaking wet feet. Mm. You know what I mean? It's That's like this deep. just doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah. This could have been a lot better if I had like bought new shoes like a month ago. Yeah. When I had money, but now I don't. So it's like, mm. 
Cool. Such is life. You know what happens? We all have these phases where we feel less put together than other times. We do. We do. Yeah. However, you got a haircut. I sure did. And a hair color. Yes. And you look fucking amazing. Oh my God. Thank you. I just love your face. (laughs) And I (laughs) I realize now that the last time I saw you was at your housewarming party yeah and you come you I irish goodbye goodbye no but i was mad i, I was gonna text were. you actually i looked and for you which I, is why i texted you mm-hmm. right cool cute yeah i was not happy about that I, I was a little hurt i looked all over my house is small i know so the fact that i couldn't <laughs> find you i was like where the hell did he go interesting maybe you were upstairs that's one place i didn't go i don't know where Probably. you were but i did leave and i texted you after and said mm. love you thanks yeah. I mean, you did leave me some of your chicken. It was delicious. I did. Even as a pescatarian, I was like, um, I guess I'll eat this. And so I did eat it. Thank and it was you. delicious. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That was a great party. Your <laughs> it house was is fun. so cute. Oh, my God. Thank you. It's kind of sort of coming together, which is nice. I feel like it is coming together. Right? It's you didn't together. feel like it was like, I don't know. It's together. Is it? No, I don't have a dining table still. That room was like so weird and awkward and like everybody like standing like, I don't know. Anyways, I don't want to get into it. It was fine. Your house is super cute. We so. did have a little like impromptu dance party after you left though. Oh man. Listening to 80s music. It was fabulous. Oh, Zayla <laughs> would have loved it. Yes. I know she would have. Damn it. It's Next fine. time. She yeah. was pissed. She's like, where's the bonfire? Make them go to the third <laughs> location. I was like, okay. Parenting uh, life is <clears throat> fun. Well, I think at that point, two people had started to like, the drinks started to catch up with them. Mm. And so by the time we got to the bonfire, it was. And that's why we left early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Always know when to exit. That's true. Honestly, that is something I need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> you probably. I probably, yeah, stay too long. Yeah. Like closing down the bar when you shouldn't. And then it's just like a mess. Yeah. Or drama or mm-hmm. bullshit. I like to get out early. Mm-hmm. That's my motto. Get out early. Yeah. While you still can. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Cute. I know. So Just, today. Yeah. What is today? Today is a conversation about interracial friendships. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and here in your earbuds, in your eardrums. In stereo. Is like the best interracial friendship <laughs> ever. Ebony Agreed. and Ivory. <laughs> Beyonce and Jay Z. <laughs> what? Sunny and Cher. <laughs> yeah, none of them are interracial, but you get the point. That right. I feel it's like a an great inter- duo. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if Cher and Beyonce ever did a duet, like that would be like you and I. Mm, yeah. <laughs> this is, I'm like, it's gonna be Beyonce. You're gonna be Cher, <laughs> or are you gonna be Beyonce? Um, I don't you know. You can I... probably sing higher than me, so you might want to be Beyonce. Okay, but I mean, I don't think I could pull that off very well. Well, we'll give it a go. Okay, <laughs> next karaoke. <laughs> yes. The moral of the story is we're gonna be talking about interracial friendships today, and it's just really great because i love caleb i have a lot of white friends Mm -hmm. i also have a lot of black friends yeah and i love talking about interracial friendships because i feel like i can relate to both black and white people when i have this discussion however because i am both black and white 
I can really piss people off too once I start going. Sure. Yeah. But And I feel like you have a unique perspective. Yeah. How about that? How about it? And it's one of my favorite discussions or topics of discussion because I feel like once people start to look at their circle of friends and realize how little diversity is in their circle, mm -hmm. it is really eye-opening. And by diversity, I don't just mean um, racial or eth ethnic diversity, but I mean age of friends, gender mm -hmm. of friends, um, sexual orientation, yeah. um, like physical ability. Right. Like if you look at your circle of friends and there's oh, just a bunch of people who are just like you, mm -hmm. like you should question that, right? Totally. Like how are you getting other perspectives in your life? Mm -hmm. You're not. Exactly. And it's always important. You kind of exist in a bubble, right? Yeah. At that point. Yes. I remember going to... Um, like a a work continuing education thing. And it was about diversity and inclusion. And the speaker told us uh, to do a diversity inventory mm -hmm. and write down like the five closest people to us and then take inventory. How old are they? What's mm -hmm. their gender? Um, do they have the same job as us or the same career? Right. Do they have the same like income and educational background as us? Mm -hmm. Do they have the same ethnicity? Are they a parent? Are they not a parent? And once you start looking at all the ways that we're different, you realize, man, a lot of my friends are the same as me. Right. And I know birds of a feather flock together. But I think that after I heard that, I really started taking inventory of the people in my life and trying to diversify my circle. Mm -hmm. And it's brought a lot of joy. Joy to my life. <laughs> Different flowers growing in the garden. Yeah, absolutely. I think having diversity in your life, in your circle, I think is important. I'm like, now I'm taking stock, right? Of like my life and my friendships. The top five people that are closest to me. Mm -hmm. See, it's a, definitely a thought provoking yeah, it is. concept mm -hmm. that we don't. We don't think about very often because we get in our comfort zones and making friends in general, but also making friends with people that are different requires so much courage, especially the older you get. Yeah. And there are facts that say that our best opportunities for a diverse circle come in the workplace and at school. We're in our right. 30s. Yeah. We're not currently in school, mm -hmm. so we're not going to meet anyone at school. Right. Not that we couldn't go to school. We could. Right. But we not right now. Could, but we're not in, we're school, not in school right school now. Right now. Yeah. So we don't have that opportunity. And for me in my workplace, there is one other black person. Right. So I'm not getting any diversity at work. Mm -hmm. so right. And like, like, so now I'm kind of like the manager of this place, right? And I'm... Um, hiring people. So I'm essentially like establishing who the staff is, you know, like who my staff is, mm -hmm. the people that I'll be working with day in and day out. And so I feel like I have a hand in, I guess, essentially in creating diversity, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I did hire two people of color in the past couple of days. So I'm excited about that. But I don't know if that like, I don't know. Well, yay. Yay, right? Like, they applied, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. You've got great energy. Let's have you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. For sure. Do you think that being gay 
makes you more like empathetic to othered people, like people of color, other gay people, right. you know, like maybe people with disabilities. Like, do you right. feel like you are more inclusive? Do you know what? I feel like that's been a process for me. I think like initially in answer to your question, yes. I think that there is um, a desire like in my heart to be empath- empathetic and compassionate to people who are othered, people who don't fit in with the majority culture or mm-hmm. with the dominant culture, right? Um, but I think also I exist as a person with a lot of privilege. Mm-hmm. And I think I grew up in a very conservative bubble. And so I think there's been a lot of unpacking and um, kind of like unlearning, like kind of like racist or even like homophobic things um, in my life. And the thing is like, I think like on, on at the base level, I'm compassionate. Like I, I want and I care about people who are othered. But I think in my own self, like I recognize times where I have prejudice mm-hmm. you know and so that's been hard yeah to like figure that out and to like you know when i first came out of the closet and like set, like became true to the fact that like i am a minority like i don't feel the same as other straight or other guys who have um attraction to girls or whatever like i just and also i present as white right so like i just i'm for a long time i was a straight white guy mm-hmm. you know until i came out of the closet and so i just like or tried to be a straight white guy. You know yeah. I mean? And so that's, I don't know. There's just been, a, there's been a lot of work in the past like 10 years mm-hmm. that I've been trying to do to like not be that person. Mm-hmm. To like understand like how race works and how to like unpack my own internalized racism and all that. Mm-hmm. And I still feel awkward about it sometimes too. You know, like last year, after George Floyd died or was murdered, excuse me, um, I like did, I think, you know, the stereotypical like white person thing to do was to like join a book club and start to like read a whole bunch of like books about race and whatnot, mm-hmm. of course. And I did that. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, but I feel like I also learned a lot too. Um, like I read Ijeoma Oluo's So You Want to Talk About Race. Mm-hmm. I'm currently reading uh, Raman D'Angelo's uh, White Fragility. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like there's, there's work to be done mm-hmm. still in my life. But like having read these books, I feel maybe a little bit more empowered to do the work because mm-hmm. it can be awkward. It's awkward even for black people. Yeah. I mean, I believe it for sure. It sucks. Mm-hmm. I know that kind of like you, after George Floyd was murdered, I was pissed And because I'm surrounded by almost entirely white people on a Mm -hmm. day-to-day basis, um, I really started to (laughs) think twice about who I was around. Mm. And I kind of challenged everyone in my life to either say something or get the fuck out. Right. Uh, And it was really telling at the people who said something. And I was severely heartbroken and disappointed over who chose not to say anything. And it always, it surprised me. It surprised me at the people that said something and it surprised me at the people that didn't. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the hard part about being um, biracial in such a white dominant space for Mm -hmm. me 
is that most of the time when I'm at work, especially these people know one version of me. Right. Um, and they don't know who I am outside of the workplace. So then when well, I sure. show up and I'm like, Hey, I'm Sarah and I'm unapologetically black instead of just saying, Hey, I'm Sarah. Mm-hmm. Then they're like, Oh shit. Well, this isn't who we thought she was. And now we have to choose. And I feel like for a lot of people, it made them very uncomfortable and they didn't want to, they just didn't want to be part of it. But That's it also, hurt. it did. But then I feel like I met you and mm-hmm. Sarah Driscoll. Mm-hmm. Honestly, when we took our yoga training and we learned so much about like spiritual and racial bypassing mm-hmm. and she focused so heavily on inclusion and teaching us. Yeah. You know, like the indigenous. That was a huge roots. part of our training. I was like, okay, it's not crazy for me to expect this type of behavior from white people because look, this woman can do it and she's white. Yeah. So how come all the other white people can't? So I think there are some points at that moment, it was a lot easier for me to have friends of color than it was white friends. <clears throat> And kind of like you were saying, like dealing with your own biases that you have, I had to really work hard to be around white people. Mm -hmm. I was pissed. Every day I'd leave the house and I'd go to the gas station and there was white people, I was pissed. If I'd go to the bank and there were all white people, I was pissed. Fuck these white people. And that's really funny you say that because I, (laughs) (laughs) excuse me, got in a lot of trouble for saying fuck these white people. And I would say it... Trouble? A lot of trouble. And I guess when I say white people... So here's an explanatory comma. When I say white people, I mean like capital W. I don't mean color white. I mean people who embody... Whiteness. Whiteness and... um, What's the freaking word I'm looking for? I don't know. White privilege. White privilege. Okay, yeah. So if you totally embody and encompass and believe in white privilege and you are capital W-H-I-T-E mm-hmm. to me. Right. So when I say like, oh, fuck the white people, <clears throat> I mean the racist people who right. aren't even always necessarily white, right? They're just right. people that stand on those principles sure. of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily pale people. Right. Who are Caucasian. <laughs> I think there's right. a big difference. Yes, absolutely. In my mind. Okay. So during this ra- racial awakening time, I was like, mm-hmm. these white people. Oh, my God, the white people. And <laughs> my mom finally one day was like, Sarah, you sound racist. And I was like, oh, what? Me? I'm black and white. I'm not racist. She's mm-hmm. like, but no one knows what you're talking about when you say f- the white people. And I had to, again, sit with myself and be like, okay, why are you talking in a way that's so offensive Mm. to your mom who my mom is white and Mm -hmm. I love her more than any human on the planet sure but I'm like okay if you're being offensive then you're not being part of the solution so how can we sure re but does she and did she understand where you were coming from she did because I can sit down with her and have these discussions sure but if I'm at work and I'm like oh the fucking white people my coworkers clearly aren't going to be like, where is this coming from? Uh, They're going to be like, right. Sarah's talking about white people right. again. and She hates white people. She hates white people. Right. So there was a lot of that mm-hmm. at the time sure. um, that I feel like maybe was a little unfair of me to cast that upon mm-hmm. all white people. But in sure. my mind, I was so pissed that I was like, if you're not saying anything, you're part of the problem. 
right. and you're done. Or whatever you whatever you are saying, you know, like there's a lot of people that I know <clears throat> who I'm Facebook friends with who went out and like said, you know, blue lives matter instead of oh, black lives matter. Lives you know, it's just matter. like, oh my God, you know, like you're missing the point of this issue. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're going to back the blue no matter what, even if they're killing black people, mm-hmm. like get, get out. I know. Like you're stupid. Yes. And that's just like how I felt, you know, but like. I don't know if that anger is helpful in discussions with these people, but like also, I don't know if it's healthy to have a conversation with that person when I'm that heated anyway. Right. In in the middle of that movement and the issues, you know, like they just want to listen to it. So, what's it like for you as a white person to have those conversations with other white people? Oh, God. So, I mean, that's that's hard, you know, because I feel like I think part of my what I've considered like my job, not my, it's not my job, but like my role. I think especially as somebody who's like trying to become more aware of like racial injustices and issues facing other races, like, like even the Asian American um, or Pacific Islander communities mm-hmm. um, when that was more of a hot topic a couple months ago with all the hate crimes that were happening, mm-hmm. like just trying to be more informed. I think part of my, I don't know. I feel like in the LGBTQ community, they call it like allyship, you know, like I feel like, there are LGBTQ allies. Like, I just feel like as a person who cares about racial issues, I feel like I try to challenge people when they say stupid shit. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of it too is like, it is, is, is this happening on social media? Is this happening like right here in my space? Like, is, like face to face. And how do I go about challenging that kind of behavior or the words that you're saying mm-hmm. without starting a fight and then what's the context right mm-hmm. am i like am i working behind the bar while we're having this conversation because i have to treat this completely different than if like i'm on the other side of the bar and we're having a conversation that's true you know like it's just it's different because i don't want that to come back on you know my bosses who might be lean politically different um than i do which is fine and i just i don't want that to become an issue so I, there's a lot of i don't know figuring out context and navigating navigating especially with the person depending on the person i'm talking to like what's my relationship to them mm-hmm. are they a stranger are they like an acquaintance are they like somebody that consider a friend or mm-hmm. like how close are they to me see i feel like if i hear anything i just turn around and i'm like what did you say mm-hmm. which is a little crazy i'm right. like on the other end of the spectrum where i'm not really taking into account right who you are or how you affect me, I really don't care. I mean, I definitely feel like there's things that are just, I don't have tolerance for. Like, I don't tolerate the N-word ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I've kicked people out of the bar before mm-hmm. for saying that. Like, oh, with a hard R. You know, like, that's like, <laughs> I just like, okay, get out. Bye. You're not welcome here. <laughs> get out. Um, <clears throat> and I know other, like, I've had conversations with other bartenders, too, who feel the same way and have done the same thing. Um, but it's just like. It's hard to navigate. Oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine how it would be, like, in your work role, you know, mm-hmm. when people drink and just say offensive shit when, anyway yeah, because when people they're drink, stupid. They get, yeah. Yeah. They get stupid, period. But then if you add anything political or anything like like social awareness or justice or whatever, like, people get stupid and their ass shows. Oh, mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's typical. That's not every time, but it's typical. Mm-hmm. Well, I do appreciate our friendship and that we can, I feel like we can talk about different things. And I feel like mm, if I mm-hmm. say something that's offensive, you'll check me. Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know if I would check you. I think I'd probably ask you about it. I know. In like an eloquent way and be like, Sarah, <laughs> that 
that was heavy. Should we unpack that? I probably wouldn't say it like that. Something like that. (laughs) Then we'd have to have a talk. Right. (laughs) But I can appreciate that in friends. I know that talking Mm. about race is really uncomfortable and it's just as uncomfortable for me too. Because I know it's never, almost never going to go the way I want it to. Mm -hmm. But it has to be done. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And even talking about it, I think with you, I think is important for me in so many ways, just because like, I want to be a good friend to you. You know, like I want to know if I'm ever offensive or say something stupid or, you know, maybe my privilege is showing and I don't recognize it. Like I would appreciate, you Mm -hmm. know, you to challenge me to check me on that. You know what I mean? And I think that I trust you to do that. And I think you know that. Yeah. Or at least I hope you do. I I do. Okay. I think too, it's funny, you you just act really aware to me. I will say, you know, as a biracial person, I've had some of my black friends point out my privilege. And that's definitely something for me that I'm like, oh shit, because What are we talking about? Like colorism or Yes, like- colorism. Okay. And especially because of my close proximity, I mean, to whiteness. Sure. Um, especially when traveling is probably when I notice it the most. Like when I'm with my mom. Sure. And we um stay at nice hotels because we're traveling with work or we use points and we get to fly first class Mm -hmm. or she has um, like the expedited security check at the airport. So we Mm -hmm. get to go by. And there are times when I notice if I'm not with her and I don't get to do like the expedited security and I have to go through the normal baggage check at the airport, Mm -hmm. then I get treated much differently. You notice the difference. I do. And I'm like, Oh, Wait, mom, come back. Mom, come back. My mom's right over there. She's the white woman standing there. Right. We look just alike. Oh, no. I know. So it's definitely something for me to mm-hmm. be aware of as well. Yeah. And learn how to deal with and be cognizant of. It just, it takes a lot of work. To yeah. Um, and I think we should delve into that a little bit more. Um, but I think we should take a break. What do you feel about that? Let's break it up. We'll be back after a few words from our sponsors. We're going into break. In the deep, dark depths, in a podcast studio located in the heart of Cedar Rapids, there were two nerds sitting in a room, sweating profusely, talking about video games. And they were... Me, Craig Johnson. And me, Jackson Parker. And we are so excited to welcome you to our brand new video game podcast, Gaming Through the Generations. Locally produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network, every other Thursday we'll take one game and deep dive into the past, present, and future of that IP. We'll also play fun mini games on the show and fight to the death for our very lives. What now? And fight to the death for our very lives. Fight, fight like the, the death, 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 death? Like a, like a real, like a very real. That was actually, that was Logan's one stipulation. It had to be real, visceral, physical death. Gaming through the generations. New episodes every other Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. To support our show and creators just like us, subscribe to LAS Plus. And for more information on that, visit laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus. 
Is that it? That's it. I'm getting a nod. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Should we go play Smash? I want to go play Smash. Yeah, let's go play Smash. Let's go play Smash. Hi, friends. Naomi here. Did you wake up this morning thinking, I need more Naomi ridiculousness in my life? Well, surprise! <laughs> I'm starting a podcast, and it's called The Ruckus with me, Naomi Ruckus Rose. This podcast is for anyone like me who is constantly trying to grow for the betterment of themselves and for the world and for those of us that can be a little blunt in the comment section on Facebook and Instagram. This podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. But wait, there's more. This podcast is free to listen to. But if you want to support local creators and get bonus content, Subscribe to LAS Plus. For more information on that, go to LASPodcastNetwork.com. So join the ruckus with me, Naomi, every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. I love you all, some more than others. LAS. Anyway, we're back. <laughs> There we are. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. We're, there's that music. Caleb. We're here. We're back. We're back. <laughs> Talking about interracial friendships. Yay! Yay! I love interracial friendships. So do I. And I was thinking about this actually while I was taking a break. Um. <laughs> <laughs> from you, Sarah. <laughs> Just was kidding. Was it because I was talking about white people? No, I love it when you talk about white people. Okay, good. Because generally I feel the same. Um, but when I was living in New York City, I was going to acting school. Um, and I ended up, like, I I had moved there, like, this essentially the same month that I started going to school. And so I didn't, like, know anybody. I was not familiar with my surroundings. Um, or even like the train systems or the bus systems to get in and out of Manhattan, literally anything. So like, I was, I kind of felt like alone for a very long time, mm-hmm. at least for the first like four or five, six months. Um, but I became really close friends with this girl named Alexa Watts and she, uh, is black. Um, and then we still talk to this day. Like, I just feel like probably one of my first interracial friendships. No, that's not true. Cause there was another girl that I lived in Chicago. Her name was Kimberly. She was black too. So you were like grown. Yeah. Before you made. Honestly, I can't remember like, well, there was like one single black person who went to my high school. But you had a lot of Hispanics. Yes. So were you friends with Hispanic people yeah. in New Mexico? True. But okay, but here's the deal about New Mexico is that like everybody, if you're not like everybody is like a little bit Hispanic. Okay. Like I'm a little bit Hispanic, but like right, but like there's varying degrees mm-hmm. for sure. I mean there's a lot of white people in New Mexico. Um <laughs> so I guess I don't know. I guess in my experience there was a lot of Rick mixed Hispanic white people. Okay. And that's a complicated construct. It's a it's a different part of the United States. Like I just yeah, I don't know. I didn't grow up around a lot of black people. So like when I moved to Chicago, it was like oh, mm-hmm. whoa, 
there's a lot of black people here. There's a lot of all kinds oh, of people yeah, here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All sorts of kinds of people. Everyone's you know, brown. Like, <clears throat> right. And so it's, like, very interesting um, to, like, go from one dynamic to another, you know, like a different, like, demographic-centered place, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. So my mom know. told me we used to go to Mexico, mm-hmm. like as a family. My mom told me I, I always loved Mexico because everyone was brown. Mm-hmm. And I can just imagine what it was probably like for a white woman to hear that from her little brown baby. Bless mm-hmm. my mom. She is like the queen of my heart. She's the best. Yeah. But intra, it's just queen of my heart. Queen of my heart. <laughs> it's just different. I love that for you. Me too. Yeah. Yay. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was it like for you making your first black friend? I don't I don't know, honestly. I guess I didn't really feel any different, but I think like this is kind of coming closer to the time that I came out of the closet, you know, and the friend that I had in college she's great she ended up actually being a roommate of mine um when i love her to death but i think you know she was also like a quite not quite a bit older than me but she was older than me and i just feel like she was also struggling with issues of like you know she was also adopted like being in a place where like it was heavily a lot of white people Mm -hmm. um and i think you know me being like a safe friend for her you know, because I was also struggling with my orientation and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was interesting because then she would talk to me about like meeting her birth mom and then also like her complicated relationship with her siblings and mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I just I guess uh, what it made me feel is that I don't understand mm-hmm. those issues, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what scares me. I guess if I am scared at all about having interracial friendships, is that I'm not going to understand or get it, and then I'm going to say something stupid and like alienate or piss them off or offend them or hurt them mm-hmm. you know and i think you know like in our friendship like i've told you like please tell me you know i've grown past that like level of fear that like it just holds me back from even engaging you know but i think in all of my interracial relationships and i don't know why there's such a pattern but it's always just like black girls you know mm-hmm. like i don't have well i think there's definitely a huge stigma in the black community with homophobia and mm. black men. Sure. Like, huge problem. Mm-hmm. Cultural issue. Right. But also, I feel, I think that a lot about you that I feel like I'm always going to say some fucked up shit. And, like, I remember one time I was telling you, I was like, oh, my God, I saw this really hot guy. You should date him. And in my mind, I'm like, do you think every gay person you see is Caleb's type because he's gay? Do you think Caleb thinks that you think that? I'm like, why would you say that? Mm, why, right. you know, like, why when you see a gay man, do you tell Caleb he was hot, you should date him? Right. I'm like, you can't say shit like that. Mm. So I feel like there's, you know, me too, for everyone different than me. I'm always like, sure. okay, that was rude. Or, okay, that was a stereotype. You can't mm-hmm. say that shit. Right. Or like, why do you think... Mm. And then remember at your birthday party, you don't remember that I said this, but you had this little colorful friend there and he told me his name and it was, 
<laughs> was, At my birthday party? Who, was- yes, and you don't know this person, but he told me his name was like Enrique. It was something spicy. It was a spicy name. He told me his name. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. Where are you from? And oh. he was like, I'm from America. Oh, he was yes. like, I'm from like California or yeah, wherever he I was, was from. Wasted. And I was like, and I kind of sort of <sighs> like I was acquainted with this person, but I don't know his name. Like yeah. I met him like at a bar. Well, I assumed he, he was like a freaking immigrant. I don't know what I thought. Right. But I'm like, and I had been drinking too. But it's like, this is the shit that I worry about saying to people different than me. Right. And we all say it. And like, we, yeah, we all do it. And I should know better because. I've had people say stupid shit like that right. to me, and it's like, what do you mean? Where am I from? Right. And it's like, why would you ask? Like, me why would you that? assume that I was from somewhere else? Right. You know. And I immediately felt about a centimeter big and yeah. wanted to die. Mm-hmm. I was horrified. I hate that experience. Me too. But I feel like okay, so this is getting down to the root of what I think this conversation is about, mm-hmm. right? Is like getting past these like this fear of you know making a mistake, you know. Um, or potentially being offensive. You know, I think, like, to me, and I don't know how you feel, and you can, like, combat me on this, is that, like, I feel like I, part of my issue with friendships in general is, like, putting myself out there. Because mm-hmm. I'm afraid, mm-hmm. you know, of not, not being liked or whatever, whatever, whatever the context may be, whatever. I'm just, I think that fear holds me back. And I think, especially with interracial friendships, I'm afraid of saying something stupid or ignorant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, like, bigoted, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I don't think of myself as, a bigot, but I think like there might still be, there's still prejudice, you know, that right. like there's still there's unconscious still to be, bias. Exactly. To be, be uncovered and dealt with and unpacked and like destroyed. Right. You know, and me too. And I'm just, <clears throat> you gotta just hope that you find the friends that will grasp your hand mm-hmm. and still stand with you when you fuck up. Sure. Because we all do. Right. I, I think, okay, so this is just a thought that came into my mind too, though. Is that like, I feel like a lot of what I, uh, so on social media, I, I'm on Twitter. I'm on black Twitter. I follow black Twitter and I follow gay Twitter. <laughs> two the two <laughs> truest sources of anything you want to know. Absolutely. Like if you are, if you want to be in the know about anything at all, period, you need to follow people on black Twitter and on gay Twitter. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like what I see a lot on black Twitter is like, especially in the wake of George Floyd's uh, murder that like, I, I, I don't want to feel like they're saying what they were saying. It's like, I don't want to feel like I have to educate people or I don't want to have to put in the emotional energy to do that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And I respect that, you know, like I don't want to become friends with somebody of a different um, race mm-hmm. and like ask them to do the work for me of like educating myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of people do that unconsciously. Mm-hmm. But you don't. I mean, I try not to. You have never... You've never insinuated like having a lack of knowledge and expecting me to provide that for you. Mm. And I think. Well, I'm glad that's that's the case. Yeah. I think people now, given I talk about how I feel a lot. Mm, so maybe mm-hmm. there's never been a need. Sure. I feel like it's a special type of white person that expect their black friends to teach them about racism. Race. Yeah. Like. For sure. Come on now. Like you have a library card. Mm-hmm. In this whole. In this whole experience, I had one coworker reach out to me, um, and she asked me one day. She's like, "How does it, how does it like make you feel when people ask you questions about race?" And she mm-hmm. was white, and I was like, "I and I know I'm unique. Sure. I know that black people don't want people coming up to them and being like, what book should I read? What do you think mm-hmm. about this? Right. Like, is this true or not?'" 
but it doesn't bother me. Um, so I told my coworker, I was like, I'm not bothered by any questions. I'm not offended. Mm-hmm. Um, what I am offended by is silence. I'm offended by you not saying anything at all or not asking mm-hmm. any questions because there's no way that you 90 white people in this workplace don't have any questions about what's going on in the world or have no sure. feelings or right. have sought an outside perspective that is colored. Mm-hmm. So I am not bothered by people asking. I'm bothered by people not asking. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm not like everyone. And I do respect the feelings that like it's exhausting Yeah, teaching people about race and explaining mm-hmm. to people why you're tired and explaining mm-hmm. to people why you're upset. And luckily for me, I mean, luckily and unluckily as well, like most of the white people in my circle stayed away from me during that time. So I didn't have to explain everything. Sure. Uh, they didn't want my opinion. You said that unluckily and luckily? Yeah. yeah. I feel like I wasn't in a position where I was forced to explain, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I felt like they needed, I was like, why aren't they asking? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they saying anything? Why aren't right. they pissed? Mm-hmm. Why isn't this unjust to them? Yeah. And I remember going to work every day and, you know, most of the time I'm a pretty good employee. I podca- I listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. but we have people like watching the freaking netflix on their phone at work and i'm mm-hmm. like okay we can all see you do that right i watched the um george floyd Derek chauvin trial mm-hmm. every day all day eight hours a day mm-hmm. and That's i'd be crying in the workplace yeah. because it was brutal to listen mm-hmm. to i'm sure and not one person said a thing and i'm like mm. am i lucky that you're not asking me why i'm watching ABC News all day and crying or am I should I feel some type of way because I feel like you know what I'm watching Mm -hmm. and you see me crying and you're not saying anything right so it's that weird place Mm -hmm. I don't know I feel like so you don't think like you know what you wanted either way you didn't you didn't want them to talk to you or you did want them to talk to you? I feel like I would have liked them to start a conversation. Sure. Because I don't think that these people are having conversations elsewhere. Right. Now, you, on the other hand, I know that you are reading books. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we first became Facebook friends, I loved you because you had under your profile picture, it said Black Lives Matter. And I was like, yay! (laughs) But, and I feel like it's not performative. Right. But from the people that I don't get that it comes from a genuine place or I know they're not doing anything and I know they don't have any friends that are at all different, Mm -hmm. I feel like I need more. Sure. And if you don't do more, then you're out. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I've been at. And I feel like I've made it pretty clear to people in my life, Mm -hmm. which is hard because I've lost a lot of people that I cared about. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is. Yeah. I don't play about racism. Right. Yeah. If you want to be in my circle... You got to love everybody, man. Free love. (laughs) (laughs) I think, okay, so just like touch on like, I feel like maybe one last thing before we end, and maybe this will not be the end. Maybe we'll just open another can of worms. Maybe we can save that for later. I don't know. But I also just like feel like there's like cultural differences that I'm not quite sure how to like address. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have, I think you're his friend too. Um, but, like, every time, like, we go in for a handshake, he always just, like, 
I don't know. I feel like I'm just like, hi. You know? <laughs> and he put my hand out there and he's like, come on. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> you know, like, I'm white. We do have handshakes. Right. And you he, just like, got to <clears throat> go with the flow. I don't know how to go with the flow. I'm white. You just got to try. We'll practice. Okay, cool. I know. But, like, we do do those things, but that's like the really fun part about like black culture. Like we Absolutely. Love that I think that's. For us. I think that's incredible things about black culture. I know. You know, and I think also. I don't know why I feel like I just have to voice all my concerns. Right no, now. voice them. Okay. Um, is that like, also I've noticed sometimes, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like, have you ever met somebody with like a different accent? Mm-hmm. Like someone who's British and you try to speak in that way? Like yeah. I do that with black people sometimes yeah, and I speak hate Ebonics, that. And right. then you start to speak Ebonics yeah. once you leave. And it's just like, oh my God, why am I doing that? You know, or like, you know, I'll go up to a table and they're black and I'm like, <laughs> for some, whatever reason, <laughs> like some kind of like. Caleb's African- inner ghetto boy <laughs> comes out. Right. And I'm just like, why did I say it like that? Oh, no. What up, y'all? Right. Welcome to the hipster. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just, it's a lot. And I just like, I always leave those situations being like, wow, that was really white of you, Caleb. <laughs> 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 and it's just like oh, okay Caleb, I, love that. I hate it it's like so awful because like that's not you don't want to do those things right? I know like, but like we all probably do it sure I'm sure I sound whiter after I come home well I don't know some days and this kind of we can talk about code switching one mm, day code switching would be a very but, good conversation yeah by the time I get off work I'm like ready to bump my really vulgar hip hop that mm-hmm. says fuck bitches get money right the n word all the shit that I can't say with the white people right and then, like, talk about white people with my black friends. Mm-hmm. I, call, I told you I call the workplace the plantation. Mm-hmm. I one time was like, well, Sable, I'm on my way back to slavery. I turned around, and my coworker was standing behind me, and I was like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> guess, guess we can't say that. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. I, I talk know. very different at work mm-hmm. than I do around you. Right. Or when I'm not. But, like, the thing is, I don't feel like I do that around you, though. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, no, I don't feel like I, like, jump into, like, a different kind of sp- speaking. Like, I don't feel like I try to be, like, black and run out around you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe that's because... <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. I'm glad that you're not appropriating our culture I'm around right. me. I'm trying not to. <laughs> I don't think I do. But. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't know, Caleb. I don't know either. I'm just like, I feel like all these things are brought up by having interracial friendships, right? Like, that's the point is yeah. to like challenge these things in our lives and to, I don't know, continue to learn how to care about each other like any other friendship, right? And I just, this is the, sh- the part about racism yeah. that's hilarious. Like, I think at some point racism is so deep that it's petty and mm. funny you know oh, what yeah. i mean sure so okay. like this is the shit that you're like you gotta laugh at this stuff and have these conversations because mm-hmm. it's just stupid and funny like right it's stupid to care right it's ridiculous who cares sure yeah i i mean i care but like i'm just i think about racism a lot and like mm-hmm. i watch the news and i'm like this shit really just happened and at some point it's like who can like this is the smallest this is the shit that needs to happen for things to get better. Sure. And the fact that people are afraid to have these conversations, mm-hmm. which when you have them with people you trust and care about, yeah, lead to better relationships for you. It's just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, then it gives you the opportunity to grow and like learn. Right? It does. Yeah. It does. And I just want to point out, Caleb, 
that a lot of white people out there, just like you, well, just like you were, <laughs> post New York and Chicago, struggling, looking for colorful friends out there. 75% of white people have an entirely white social circle. I believe that. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. And 25% of blacks have an entirely black social circle as well. Only 25%? Only 25 only social 25. circle. Does social that mean like circle. friends or does that mean like workplace? This means, yeah, anyone who you see on a, you know, so okay, it wouldn't be right. like the cashier at the grocery store, right. but it would be like your coworkers who you interact with and tell them about your day right? or your friends or For people sure. you go have drinks with. Right. So I guess the moral of our story today is to go make some friends that are different. For sure. Diversify your circle. Mm -hmm. Get a Caleb. Right, but also I feel like saying that I like don't go searching for like the token. Like don't make it. Don't tokenize Thank these you. people. Right. Like don't go out and like try to find your gay best friend. You know, like don't have a gay person in your life just because you want to have a gay person in your life. Like actually, you can tell when we're being tokenized. Right. Exactly. Hmm. You know, like I've, that's happened to me so many times where I goes like, oh my god, I need a gay guy in my life. Like, would you be my gay best friend? I'd be like. Ugh. I feel like I said that and you answered my call. I did. But but you didn't say that to me. You were just putting it out to there into the universe and the universe answered by giving you me. You were just, (laughs) you manifested down from the heavens into my life, onto my yoga mat. Right. And life has never been the same. I love it. I know, me too. I'm so happy to be your friend, Sarah. Me too. You're like, you're very important to me. Thank you. You're important to me too. I mean that. I love you dearly. We cherish you and our friendship and our differences. Yes. And I'm glad we get to do this podcast together. So. I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We get to have these kinds of conversations and continue to love and explore. Yeah. I love sharing it with our audience. Agreed. And I'm glad we all get to be here together. And just remember that Othered is produced <laughs> and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. If you want ad-free and bonus episodes of this and other shows, subscribe to LAS Plus for only $10 a month. You can get access to all of the content, merch, and just keep the fact that you're supporting local deep down in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Give us a five-star review. Please. Everywhere you listen to podcasts. Five stars. Five stars, please. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Love you. The LAS Podcast Network. Always local, always authentic, always surprising. To learn more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com.